In today's episode, Dave interviews Jenna Jalovitz. Jenna is a Second City alum. She wrote on over 25 episodes of Mad TV, was an executive story editor on Greetings from Tucson, and appeared in Second City's 149th and a half edition with Dave and Steve Carell. Jenna was a guest writer on Saturday Night Live and teaches at Second City Hollywood. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. The people that we know that have, I mean, we're talking about Barb Wallace and Tom Wolfe moving to Chicago, the people that we know that have moved I look at that and go, oh my God, you moved. And I, <laughs> I think about this, because I think what it does is it rocks my core. It rocks my, it rocks my, the very foundation that I'm alive on, which is, what do you mean you're leaving L.A.? If you're leaving L.A., maybe I should think about leaving L.A. I know, I know, because it's, I've only stayed in one, I stayed in, in Chicago 12 years, and I'm going on, I don't even know what year now, like 15. I've been out here 20 years. Yeah, and I ha it's like, it's like I have to do more things. I have to live more places. Oh, okay. All it's, right. It's a bit of a schlep. It, you got your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I got my stuff. You got your stuff. For me, I feel like. But then again, I remember when um, I I remember when uh, uh, Jen Winters, uh, my ex-girlfriend, my dear dear friend Jen, uh, was staying here at my apartment, and. Um, uh, she needed a place to stay and she just stayed in my apartment. So she kept looking at my stuff saying, you've got too much stuff. <laughs> and I thought, how dare you say I have too much stuff? This is my stuff. I'm a 50-year-old man and I get to have stuff. And then she's like, fine, but it's holding you back. And I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I got so upset about that. And then I started looking at my stuff thinking, I don't need any of this. I don't need any of it. Oh, when I no. got divorced... I got rid of so much stuff, I don't even know. It's and the I most wonderful it. feeling. But the problem is if you've worked in TV at all, in any, you have, a, you have these big videotapes. If you worked in the, in, in the time I worked in TV, you have these big videotapes. Yeah. And, and I, it's, I don't watch them. I haven't watched them in years. But Do you have a videotape player? Um, we turned one down, I don't know why, but I, we don't watch them, and yet to get rid of them is to, to deny yourself the opportunity of ever watching them. How many do you have? <clears throat> Not a ton, but I mean from different shows I worked on, from Second City, right. certain, you know, certain I have them tapes. too, but and you can have them digitized. I know, but, <clears throat> but the expense. Right, right. And here's another thing about things that like that. I think that it's, for me it's not the expense, it's the fact that you then have to do that. It's I, a lot. The money is a lot. I mean, it's money, but it's also, in order to have that done, you have to do it. Or someone said, you buy this turntable and you wire it oh, to this fuck. one, and I've already, they lost me already. Right, no, right. No. The, moment, right <laughs> the moment says, it's really simple. All you got to do is like, and this is what I hear. And it's the same thing that I hear, the same that I hear when a waiter comes and tells what the specials are, or if I'm stuck in traffic, or if I'm in, in traffic. I'm never stuck in traffic. If I'm in traffic and, I, and there's a backup and I want to listen to the radio, this is what I hear. So it's that, when somebody says something like, listen, this is all you got to do. <laughs> Wire to the <laughs> adapter to. <laughs> I can't do. I can't do computer stuff. I pretend it's magic. Like, oh, it's a typewriter. And if it goes, well, I'm learning now. If you uh -huh. have a problem, you Google your problem in whatever words you want. Like, yep. I can't make this go. And someone else has not only had the problem, they've worded it the same way you did. Yes, right. And That's you, can, the, you can solve the problem. What I love is, like, when I don't know how to do something, the first thing I do is go to YouTube, because then there's somebody that put that up and has, and it's like, hi, my name is Sid, I come in front of Todd, and there's six chapters. Today we're going to learn how to do the hand manner. And it's like, ah. but it's different. Well, so many, like, when you have a kid, you, it's a new field. Like, I learned about how to, how to make a tutu. Uh -huh. But then you think, like, this woman 
has found her niche teaching tutus on YouTube. Oh, like, wait, wait, wait. This woman has found her niche teaching tutus, tutus on, on YouTube. YouTube. Yes. All right. You were just going to let that go without repeating it and if again? If she taught Rwandans, she could have taught tutus on YouTube to tutus. Or well, you, she could have taught hutus. <laughs> Tutus, tutus on, on YouTube. YouTube. There you go. What if she taught more than one of them and less than three? <laughs> and what if she also did that? You too could teach tutus. Tutus, tutus on, YouTube. on YouTube. Yay! We did that. People, people have. The world is so different than when we started doing comedy. The thought of filming something, you had to get a camera, you had to get someone who knew how to use it, you had to buy film, you had to find an avid. I remember McNabry oh, yeah. had that big avid, he would cut your reels for you and it was such a process. Well, he told me that he spent, he and Jan, uh, Jennifer spent like $30,000 on a thing that now is like maybe $100. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah, I think he talked about it on his uh, on the podcast that I did with him. This is what gets me about YouTube is like, okay, so what you've just described, if there was a graph, it would be like the things that people looked at would be like the, the, the line graphs. It would be people learning tutus. But so one line would be the people who want to know how to do a tutu. Yes. And there'd be a certain height. And then another one would be how to do, how to, how to use Word on Mac, which would be a, a higher one. So there's that mountain. And then at the fringes, with very little of the, the line, is this lady who is on um, This American Life. This woman who likes the, like, Sounds like this sound. Okay, don't make fun of it. I'm one of those people. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just I'm saying. I'm one of those people. That, that likes that sound? I like the sound. I like the sound of my thumb and my first finger tapping together in my ear. There is a group <laughs> of people that you would fucking the love. Tiny sound club? It's not just sound. It's also she likes the sound of, oh, so there would be a woman just describing makeup. And this woman who is listening to it couldn't get enough of it. And she thought, I'm going fucking crazy. She couldn't watch enough of this woman describing makeup. And what she realized was it wasn't what she was saying. It was how she was saying it. Uh -huh. So she was saying, um, so oh, you apply the... the sound. What was that? And it's also she like the sound of rappers or the sound of people yes, like... it's very satisfying. Or a little tiny will, branch. Oh, my God. You have to listen to this. I, I used to, with my daughter, I used to like crack little branches at her ear to, you mm -hmm. know. I also liked when Jimmy Carter would... There was this. There was like a thing when he'd purse his lips, and his lips would come together. And uh -huh. I could almost hear the satisfying little pat of his lips coming right? together. Right. You're one of those people. That's I'm awesome. That is awesome. Uh, Did you know yeah. this? The, the This American Life. You have to hear it. The one that talking about the sounds. I have the on same it. thing. But it's the same thing. Oh yeah, I found somebody. I bet there's more people who, again, it's amazing what you can discover. Well, not just to age myself, but do you remember the show The FBI? Yeah. I was very little. But the sound of men's dress shoes on stairs. <laughs> men's dress shoes on like the stairs in an office building right, when right. they're running. Yeah. Very, very satisfying. I, 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 when I first came out here, I forgot who got me the job. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe it was uh, Tracy Burns. Got me a job foleying. I was a foley artist in a foley artist <laughs> a picture studio. picture radio with you and like two shoes. Oh, that was it. Exactly. Maracas. It was a foley, uh, it was a foley studio in, you know, uh, Crossroads of the World. Sure. And Crossroads of the World, which is kind of this 1930s 
Mm -hmm. I love it. It's a beautiful building, outdoor mall. Um, really gorgeous in the middle of Hollywood. And I, my job was to Foley a movie. Now, those people don't know what Foley a movie is. So when those guys were walking up the stairs, there was somebody in a Foley studio matching that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so uh, my job was, so I had a big duffel bag, and I would come with <clears throat> different kinds of shoes, um, different kinds of fabrics, leather jackets, pants, um, and uh, uh, like things that clicked and whirred and, and, uh, and things like that. And, and I did an entire movie called... Some, it, was, it was a submarine movie, and I did the entire submarine movie by myself for $15 an hour. I beat the fuck out of myself in the middle of, like it was a fight, and I had to do punching. I punched, it was like this whole, I wish that I could see the movie. I think that's the movie. The movie isn't the submarine movie. The movie is the man who goes alone in a studio in Crossroads of the World and Foley's a movie. This was the, the biggest challenge was the beginning of the first part of this comedy movie I think Tuesday Weld was in it and it was a comedy movie and the first shot is a parrot shitting in a cage okay. on paper how do you duplicate that with Foley exactly so this is what so we we, we spent like four hours Cheese trying paste to in a tube no this is what we did we went to the kitchen where someone had cut up watermelon and so I mushed up watermelon in my mouth, mm. and we put the mic, and, and we had a little stand, and I just went onto onto a piece of uh, a paper towel, and it was like, and it matched perfectly. I'm just picturing the discussion of what sound. What should we do? Oh my like god! This, but did you call a zoologist or anything for like? A no, no. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I could be. <laughs> Is it a zoologist? Who would you? A bird guy. I'm sorry, I, I have a question. Out of nowhere, hello, I'm following a movie. What sound? Do I duplicate the sound of a parrot pooping? But the thing is, it's whatever it is that you, you say it is, and that's it, what it is that it is. And it, and it just goes, we're just, that's what we're doing. That's pretty cool. That's the thing about L.A. that it delights me, how many jobs exist that you don't even think about, and how many ways... You come here to make a living, and how many ways you actually do make your money? I love, because this is my favorite conversation. I, I mean, come on, Jenna, look what you do. <laughs> you write promotions for NBC, right? I do that. I do a couple of well, things. I'm just saying who you are, but I mean, that is for, one for way. Among others. I write among for others. them and, and uh, clients, other clients. But you, but you write promotions. Yes. You're the perfect example of the perfect example that you were giving an example for. I like, guess I Like, when you came here... Did you ever? You, who? No. I wrote first for up. TV when I came. When Wait. I first came here, I was, I was an SAT teacher. Thanks to, and this brings up a second topic, which I won't digress to. Although you can. I digress. This is called ADD comedy. I am a I'm, I'm, I'm Captain Non Sequitur, but um, the, by the grace of all the friends we have, when you reach out, you find you you find work. I mean, Paul Valencourt got me mm -hmm. the job at at. Um, Princeton Review teaching SATs. Sure, a bunch of That's a bunch of people, them. right? Yeah, and usually like one person <clears throat> gets a bunch of people, like in any occupation with any group of people. Mm -hmm. But Second City, it's amazing. That's the thought of moving away is leaving that. Even if we don't see each other, leaving that core group, that group of people that have all been through life together. Right. And no matter how long it's been since you've seen them, you can call them and you can yeah. you can. Get in touch. Well, I look at you know I talk about D Ryan a lot. You know D just D and Austin. Austin, you know they up and left. They yeah. sold their beautiful house in on Gramercy oh, and they left. Kitchen. That they all the money and the tourists that they spent on that fucking house and then they move to a gorgeous house. Oh, the house is unbelievable. Have you seen the house in I Glen? Glen? Been, I have pictures. Yeah, it's gorgeous. But people get up and move. Yeah. 
But then you wonder, it depends where you move, because I know where I came from. I love my hometown, but I don't know. If, In Maryland, right? Yes, but I think I wouldn't, I don't think I, you know, I, I had to sort of compress myself, like those cow compressors that comfort them. You know that, those, the things that you put cows in it compress. Oh, a Temple Grandin thing? How, yes, uh -huh. I, think, I think that's how I lived the first part of my life because I moved out to Chicago and my brother's best friend visited and he just kept saying, you're so different. And I thought, it's because I can breathe. Right, right, that's a huge, that's so huge. Yeah. Um, I just broke up with a woman and it was a, it was a very, I felt like I was watched all the time by her. Right. Um, I felt like I was watched all the time, and I, uh, you know, I did something, and I and I broke her trust and all that. But the moment that the trust was broken, it was broken forever. Yeah. So she watched every single thing that I did in order to see what I was doing, and I just couldn't take it, and I just kind of went no more. Not for anybody, either one of you. Right. Exactly. And the moment that I did that, I surrendered that squishing thing, yeah. and suddenly I went, oh boy. Oh, I could go. I could move. I could go. And so you're, the conversation today about what we're talking about now about moving. I woke up this morning thinking, wait a minute, I can move. I can you're, move. Your my life. Your life is as, in some ways, my life is portable. Although my child has ties, I have ties. My work can be done anywhere. I'm right. sort of a freelancer. Right. I can, and so could you. You could go anywhere. I could go anywhere. All that I need to be is near. I, you know, access to a good airport, and that's what I am. I need a coffee shop. I need a coffee shop. Yeah. I do need a coffee shop. Um, and a book, a library, and a coffee shop. Do you do you read books on on Kindle or anything? Like no, that? I, but this is the thing. Now you've brought up a topic I thought this morning: the borrowing of books. Mm -hmm. People lend me books, and this woman lent me a book that she has already read, mm -hmm. and it looks like it has not been opened once. Mm. How do people read books and keep them in such good condition? I, I've borrowed a book from her before, and I had to buy her a new one because I felt that I had used it too much. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it didn't look pristine anymore. It's interesting. She let me again, and I think I'm going to put it in Do my house and go to the library and read the book and then hand it back to her because oh. I'm, I, can't, I can't keep books like that. Have you ever talked to her about it? No. She, I, it's that early stages of friendship where Got it. it takes me a while. I, I, I don't know who's listening might not believe it, but I'm pretty tentative and pretty shy and pretty sort okay. of... Contained, and so it takes me a while to approach people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem like it, but uh, but the, the books have sort of brought us together. But I'm a little, I'm I I have to. She lent me one before, and I have to buy a new one because it's too used. Uh huh. Um, I, I uh, I bought this book at Marshall Fields when it was Marshall Fields, <laughs> and it was called How to Read a Book, and it's a great book. It's called How to, How to Read a Book or something like that, and. I was intrigued by it because it really said things like, it said this, buy a book for the following reasons. Because you like it, because you like the cover, because you want to have it, you like the title, you, you just won't like it on your bookshelf, you're, even if you're never going to read it and you like it, buy it. <laughs> And here's another thing. When you buy it... Who's the devil? It's, it's awesome. Even if you're never going to read it? Even if you're never going to read it. If you like the cover of a book, I guess it's buy it. It's you know what I mean? It's artwork, right? Yeah. Buy it. And, and if you like the font, buy it. If you, you know, buy but it. This it's is a, the guy who has a lot of stuff now. Well, here's the, this is, I'm getting to this point. That so there's also, there's also, he says things like, dog ear the pages and underline the book. And if you like it, you know, find <laughs> different things. Because if you look at those things, there's like, oh, what do I like about that? What do I like about that? There's, there's a line that I like about in, in that book. And if you highlight it, you get to look at it later and go, I really like the way that that writer wrote that thing. True. 
And he says, it's a living thing that you get to hold on to. It's not this pristine thing. Yes, somebody wrote it, but and somebody put somebody wrote it and, and, and you bought it and it's worth but what if you you know to highlight it to make it I yours I like that too because I remember my mom got me a couple books at a garage sale and someone had underlined mm-hmm. and it made you go like what what and made me sort of look again and, and I wondered for years like why they underlined certain right. passages and I would do it to my own books but because it's her book yeah no no I get that but that's why I don't like Kindle I, I'm so tactile I need the sound I need to oh, see, we go back I to the sound. I need to see how few pages there are at the end. Which you can do in the Kindle. But you can't feel it. That's, that's a different thing. I totally understand. And the idea of the opening of the book. Right. And the pages. Yeah. Like that. And holding on to the book. I'm a sensible person. Well, when it's in your Kindle, you don't see it. No. And here's another thing. Uh, I was in San Francisco with that evil Rachel Hamilton. You know Rachel, horrible person. <sighs> oh, right, shivers. And she inspires we went, me, by the way. What's that? To this day, she inspires me. Oh my God! From the story of when she was thirteen, and she wasn't invited to a birthday party, but she went anyway. All right. I, I'm telling you, I carry that story with me everywhere I go. Thirteen, such an interesting age. Because I hope I miss, I'm not misquoting. At some at that point, I remember no. the shorts she was wearing because I had similar shorts. No, you guys could be sisters. But but uh, that inspired me like to no end. She's a really inspiring human human being, and she's she's she is producing the 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 classes that I teach in San Francisco. Oh wow! She, and she does an awesome job of producing. It's crazy how wonderful it is. So Rachel and I went out. Um, I stayed at her place. She has a house in Sausalito. Rachel and I went to a cafe, and we're at this cafe. And this woman is reading uh, a Dave Eggers book that I've read, and I really love Dave Eggers. And I and, and she's reading a Dave Eggers book, and I went, I really love that book. And the woman went, thank you. And a woman who was sitting across from her said, I really like that book, too. Now, if you're reading on a Kindle, you don't have that experience. No. No. Of the, the, the sense of community. And the carrying around of that particular book, not the vessel that contains many, many books, but right. that particular book. Right. Maybe I'll just throw away everything that I have. Other but I was picturing, like, will there be libraries? That's the really big question. And if they, there's just something. I, libraries for me throughout my life have been a place of, of, but refuge, a place of a place to go, a place to, a place to sort of decompress. Uh, when I when I was a kid, I was grounded a lot. <laughs> I was grounded so many times, and I could go to the following places. I could go to school. I could go to rehearsal, because I was you know an, an actor as a child, and I could go to the library. And those are the only places I could go, the Chicago Public Library. Uh, the, and uh, I would go there, walking home from school, I would just stop in and hang out because I, my parents, I would get in a fight with my parents, and I'd be able to read books and lay them out and look through the catalogs and, yeah. and the magazines. And yeah. nowadays what happens in a library, I don't know when the last time you were in a library, but they're really a refuge for homeless people. With the internet too. Well, they were too in in <coughs> Chicago. It was like that. I had a job, I had a job, and during that job, there was so little work that I actually had a different job during my job. Mm-hmm. I would leave my job to answer phones at a different place and then come back. No one even noticed I was gone. Or I would go to the library all afternoon and read. I wore wait, two different socks. Hold on a minute. There was a lot going. Wait, on. wait, wait. All right. I love the idea of taking a break from your job to go to a job. I had a the different idea, job um, answering phones. During my job. So you had a job, and your job, you left your job to do a job. Yes. You left your job to do a job. I had a job. 
I hate to say where because I hate to, but I had a job in Chicago and I and I, I worked upstairs. My best friend worked downstairs like a dog and dressed up every day. I wore two different socks and barely got dressed and had my own little office. Me and Bernice, this bouffant haired woman who talked like this. Bernice and I shared an office and sometimes she wasn't there and, and I would just leave for the afternoon and go to the library and I think they, I don't even know if they knew. I would drink 11, 12 cups of coffee and I would go to the library or I would, I answered phones for a couple weeks at a different place and made money at a different job during the hours of my job. Right, you had a job, second job during the first job. And we had, one time we had, um, it was a man who, it was a psychological institute and we had a man uh, threaten our lives. And he was a, he, he said, I'm coming at one o'clock in the afternoon with a knife and I'm gonna kill you all. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember one woman at the office, sort of dour German woman said, he did not mean you. And I was like, he said everyone. <laughs> and it was pretty specific. And he came <gasps> with a knife and he, and- uh, He killed everyone. No, he did not, they got him. I worked upstairs, so I figured I'd have the some lead. time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so did the cops come? They did, and they got him. They got him. Yeah, he really did come with a knife. These days, it would be a gun. Very trustworthy, those people. They do what they say. Oh, my God. If, you're, if you are an untrustworthy murderer, <laughs> you have one job. If you're a murderer, you have one job, and you might be only, only able to do it once. You know what I mean? Yes. You murder one person, you're a murderer. It's true, you're you a murderer. You suck one cock, you're a cocksucker. Well. Lenny Bruce. Did you ever, did you ever get into Lenny Bruce? Yes, I did. I but loved the, him. But the, the end was very sad. I always worry that I'm going to be that guy. Well, I think about poor Lenny Bruce when you see like really, and I hate to say bad comedians, but really sort of low-level comedy where they're just swearing for no reason, and you think, oh, Jesus. Lenny Bruce had to go through so much to say so little, to say such innocent things, and it broke his spirit. Right. So that some idiot can say fart, you know? <laughs> exactly, right, 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 right. I loved Lenny Bruce, but then, you know, when he was just reading his court transcript. Exactly, he's like, oh my God. Uh, and I was thinking that George Carlin was gonna turn into that, but he didn't turn into that. George Carlin, I, I dropped my boyfriend at the time, who's my husband, off at his office, and I was walking back to uh, what's the Brigley building or something, I was walking, and a limo pulled up and George Carlin got out. And he started walking, we're walking 10 feet apart. And I'm not one to approach famous people, mm -hmm. just not, but I'm walking and he's walking and it's a long esplanade or whatever you call the thing. You use the word esplanade. I, think, I don't know if I used it correctly. I think you did. So we're walking and finally I turned to him and I said, I can't pretend I don't know who you are. I can't do it because I loved him. Yes. And, and I said, and, and we started talking and he was just great. But for someone, I, just to, to hear him talk about words and how he searched for like Barca lounger. Yeah. Or he searched for words, you know. Oh, you're that, talking about George Carlin. Yeah, that uh -huh. love of that love of specificity. It's so important, I think, for, for all, yesterday, I teach a duo class at Second City. And yesterday, and, and so in a duo class, it's two, it's they, you and, so you and I would sign up for the duo class and it would be eight weeks of you and I, and then there's a show at the end and we're gonna, essentially, how to keep the scene going. Mm-hmm. How to keep the scene going. And I work at what one would describe microscopic, um, uh, at a microscopic level, which means are you listening to every single thing that is happening that you aren't hearing but you're feeling and seeing? Mm -hmm. Right? Because that is where everything is. Are you aware of how you feel? Exactly. Are you aware of how you feel? Right. Yes. Are you aware of how you feel? Yes. And, and here's the thing. Are you aware of how you feel at the beginning of the scene so that later on when you don't feel that way anymore, are you aware that you just changed and that's the second yes. beat of the scene? People, <clears throat> people reach that flatline point because they're 
they have no idea how they feel. Exactly. They, have, they didn't come in fired up with any ammo. They didn't load themselves up with any imagination, with anything imaginary or anything. They didn't fire their imagination, so, they, so they're flat. I, yes. I was in that experience too. I had that experience as an early improviser where you think, I have nothing, I feel nothing, because you haven't loaded yourself up. You right. haven't allowed, you haven't allowed yourself to be in an environment. You did you just feel a cool breeze coming in? I did. Yeah. No, you're right. I, I watched my, my daughter and her friends in preschool. Mm -hmm. I would improvise a little with them. And I said, let's be trees. And we grew from a seed. And we were Christmas trees. I, this one little moment, I remember. And I said, we're going to chop them down. you know. And the kids all fell stiff-legged. Not one kid bent their legs. Like, they just committed to being Christmas trees. And that was it. And if people could just commit and let themselves get to the imaginary place, that does the work for you. Oh my God! And but you have to be clean. You have to clean. I think that for me, you have to be an empty vessel in order to feel the shit that's pouring into you. <laughs> you know what I mean? To be unattached. This is chips. Hi, chips. That's oh why. Oh my God! Chips come. Hi, beautiful girl. Hi, beautiful. Get the hell over here. Hi. Isn't she gorgeous? She's oh my so God! Sweet. I love her so much. So much. Um, she's been in a couple episodes. Um, chips. Uh, but the idea of being aware, being that empty vessel so that when something comes, pours into you, you are totally aware of what is happening. Yes. And that's, it's, it's like Alice in Wonderland. It's like this tiny little door. Right. But once you get through the door, like, that, this is so simple. But to find the door, you have to break down all the social, it's, oh, this is a terrible metaphor. No, go ahead. But it's like, it's like, it's like someone I know had adult diapers for a costume and decided to try them afterwards uh -huh. and wore them and it, to try to go to the bathroom in adult Poop diapers. or pee? Pee. And he said it was very difficult to break down that thing he developed not to. So as a human being, you have to break down all the conventions you've and the protections you've taken on to get through society to improvise. And once you get there, it's really quite not simple. Yeah, simple. Oh, it's very simple. It's clear. Yes. Uh, one of the things that's happening that I'm teaching now, because I'm not teaching, because people say, oh, what is it, you know, if I take your class, do I have to, what level do I have to be at in order to take your class? And it's interesting because these days, none, no level, nothing, just come to my class. And what I'm asking you to do is be aware. That's wow. all, just be aware. And this is what I've been doing lately. The idea of when you and I start a scene, the first line that it, out that you're saying to me, teaches me how to, tells me how you want me to breathe. Yes. Okay, so if you say, David, you're late, I'm like, <gasps> so that later on, if I'm aware at that moment that you told me how to Beautiful. breathe, then later on in that scene when you say, but I love you, I'm like, <sighs> That's beautiful. And so, yes. Even before it's words, it teaches you how, it's like down to those little sounds. That's what I'm saying. You had to just, just the, the, the act of changing your breath changes how you walk, changes how your eyes look at the world. That's, changes how you. That's great. Yeah, I love it. I love I it. Take and your class. It's a very interesting class. You wouldn't get it you because are it's very, very complex. Good teacher. I love that. I love it so much. I love it, and that's what I've become. We go back to the idea of who thought that this is what I would do, and oh, I, I talk about this so. You well, taught me in Marquette, Michigan. You taught me how to play rewind years ago and you did a very good job because it was my favorite game. I don't remember that You don't have all. to remember? You know who taught me that? It was Corel taught me that game. Really? He brought in, he brought in Rewind. Literally 
I was supposed to teach this improv game at Second City, and I was like, ah, oh, this game is weird. I don't know this game. And someone goes, really? It was from your show. <laughs> <laughs> no memory. No, no memory. Right. None. Right. Oh, I was going to talk to you about memory, too. Um, uh, but going back to the, the idea of... this breathing thing. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's exciting to me, because I, it, this, is, this is, of all the things that I've realized this year, that's a huge one. So have you idea. ever had somebody who's come in cold, never improvised? Yes. All the time. And what's it like? For, but for me, it might they be were, easier because that you get it them is, and that's what that's what I'm saying. I'm getting to, the, to that very point. Is when you come in with the like, the, the, it's got to be the game of the scene, which is what UCB teaches. Or you get the, you got to get your exposition on your who you want and where, which is the ground what the ground leads teach. And or, or Second City, well, the, the known, you know, you know where you are and all that stuff. Whatever it's going to be, um, less so Second City, um, but. When you have all those rules, sometimes they're just rules, and you don't. Re and we're so many people are teaching the rules without questioning why they're teaching them. You need them. It in your bones. You don't and, need it in your rules. You need it in your bones. And that's the thing. So when you have somebody who doesn't know anything about improv, or you have somebody coming into my class who I will start say, state at the beginning of every class. I have a class this afternoon. At the beginning of every class, I will say. I don't care about the who, the what, and the where. I don't care about the game, the scene. What I care about is, are you present to the moment that we're in, in this moment yes. right now? And that's all that fucking matters. So the people that don't know any of those things, I'm saying, they'll say, I don't know what that is. It's like, great, don't know what that is. But you know at this moment, you're excited because I'm talking excitedly. I, I, for me, it's the what is happening. What is and happening. And then we'll figure out the where. Right. Especially as a writer, oh to give the where first limits you so much. If I know what's happening between us, then the great delight of improv is, Where's the weirdest place to put this? What's the most fucked up thing we could do? Oh my God! Right? And and when 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 two people in a scene are talking, it happened yesterday, um, where a guy went in one of my in this duo class. A guy went, I can't believe you did that. I cannot believe you did it. It's like, yeah, I did it. It's like you did it and you ruined. And I, and I was I'm side coaching him. You ruined. I said, well, what you what did you ruin? You ruined everything. Everything <laughs> is ruined. Everything. And and guy goes, well, I don't That's think I ruined fantastic. everything. You ruined everything. Everything. And, and what's like, what could it be? What could it be? Oh. It's like. What, what did I ruin? It's like, let me just tell you this right now. Your family, they're dead. They're dead. It's like, oh my God. And it's like, you know why? Because you, and I was like, make it a small thing. Yes, 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 yes. Because you didn't use the right stapler. <laughs> That's like, the most fun. It is. Because if you want, yeah, you know what you do? You poison my family. It's like, okay, fine. There's yes. no humor in that at all. I say to people, in that moment, you have the opportunity to give a great gift to the other person. You have the opportunity to tell them who they are. Who they are as a person by by what that thing is. Exactly. And it's not who they are business card who they are. It's who they are emotionally who they are. How they breathe. Right. How they breathe is wonderful, David. Now you make me want to get on stage and try that. Well, when you think about it, you think about the word inspiration. And inspiration has the word spirit in it. Spirit means breathing. Yeah. My daughter gets so tired of me going to the roots. Now, the root is speck. Now, speck. But I like words. I like the roots. I like that kind of thing. In Hebrew, it's very interesting because Hebrew has... You have so that you have the shorish, which is the root of the word, which is the middle of the word, and then you have the prefix and the suffix. So the prefix is um, the, the suffix. The prefix is uh, the the time, the past, the present, and the future. Uh huh. And the suffix is uh, 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 you. Well, it's also plural. You, me, them. It's like all those things, and the the middle is awesome. 
and when you look at that in those in those ways, there's certain words that you go, oh my God, that's phenomenal. Oh, that's wow. phenomenal. You're hitting on a subject because it's the high holidays coming, and it's the time of year I say to myself, I'm not Jewish enough, and I'm not giving my daughter enough Judaism. Oh boy, I, you know what? Because we're talking when you Christmas said, trees, and you know, having Christmas trees, and we go to Christmas at my in-laws, but but every year at this time, I think I've got to find a way to to take a pastry bag of Judaism and push it into my daughter without making it didactic and like because <laughs> the highest service is like honey this is Judaism and take her to a holiday, <clears throat> high holiday service it's that's not the way to that's I, not doing it I, I, okay when you think about that when you think about high holiday services when you think about the high, the holidays the high holidays coming up high holidays being uh, Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah yes those are the high holidays not in that order mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur right yes so when you think of the high holidays, what's the photograph that pops in your head? Touching the Torah. Love it. For me, it's getting dressed up and walking in, in nice clothes, walking to shul with my Bubby and my Zadie. Oh. Okay? Now. Then you have to I'm, sit there. Right. That's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly where I'm going with that. Is, then you have to sit there. It's like, oh, fuck. And every you know, prayer seems the same. Right, exactly. Different, or, didn't we just say that? I know we just said that. But it's also, I don't understand anything that I'm saying. <laughs> like, okay, so take these words, repeat them, read them, not know what they're saying, and then get into a room with a bunch of people and say those. And it's like, what is that? So what? So what? Bend. No, bend. Yeah, bend. Now after, after right. Bob. No, oh. yeah, right. Bend and bend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the same thing with it's the same thing with the it's the same sound as the waiter coming by. Hi, my name is. And the specials are we have a an almond. And then and you, it's like, you look through the book to see when it ends, and this year. Yom Kippur is on the Shabbos. Oh my God, it's extra, so extra long. It's a 28-hour service. <laughs> exactly. So, so for me, so okay, what did because I went to I went to I went to Hebrew school, fourth grade. Uh, it was it was conservative, so it was like I don't know three days a week. It was horrible. After school, it was horrible. And then I went. I don't like this. And then we went the other way to Reconstructionist, which is Sunday at an old church with a maple with a woman rabbi. Like what the fuck is that? And at that time, and then we went to Temple Sholem, which is in Lakeview. Oh, it's the beautiful, one on the on the water on the, on the lake, right? Yes. It's gorgeous. So there, what happened there was great because at that place, I was fourteen. And I, and I met people that are my dear friends to this moment because of the classes. The okay. classes were not about religion. The classes were spiritual. Because oh, nobody wants to repeat who, the, who the, you know, the founding fathers were, or whatever it's going to be, or whatever they call it. Um, what I'm interested in is, what's the spirit, Kabbalah? What's the feeling that the two of us have? What's this energy that's going on? What's the, and then, we, then words, and, the, and that's where I learned Hebrew really well, and all that stuff was there. And I did that from uh, uh, 14 until I was 18. Wow. And I went, I became the president of the youth group, <laughs> and then I went to college, were and you, I studied four years of Hebrew at college. Were you bar mitzvah before that? Yes, I was bar mitzvah. And, I loved it. So it's not about, I don't, it is that tradition of going to shul, but it's also, what's that? It's fine. There's a group that meets in some woman's house, Chabad group, and Mm -hmm. I might try that just to get her into the community of it. Right. How old is she? 
nine. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, but Hebrew schools four hours on Tuesdays and four hours on Saturdays, and you're right, it's gonna be a chore. Unless and you go to a place that the, doesn't the do Orthodox that. The Orthodox people have told me don't do that. Of course, because you know they say don't do that. They you know they find a way shower. to make it live. Find but a way. Don't shower. They also don't shower. They, Many what? of those people don't. Many of those Give people. Give up. Don't. But go ahead, keep talking. So that's all I have. I just it's just that feeling I get every year at this time of year of like. I gotta figure this out. For me, it's also when somebody says high holidays, I think of it's autumn. Yeah. And leaves are gonna be changing. For me, it's autumn, high holidays, and mammogram. It's, oh, it's great. really great. <laughs> great. 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 There's something about that mammogram. There's something yeah. about that. There's something that's very close to being able to be a Jewish tradition uh, of that mammogram. Like the latka, like having your breast. Right. Breast. Smashed down into a <laughs> frying pan. It doesn't bother me. It bothers a lot of women. I'm saying that on. Oh, it doesn't bother me. A mammogram? Yeah, because you know the pressure's going to be relieved. Some women, it's very painful. It but that's a huge thing, too, to know. And this is, the great, this is a great lesson for me these days. The idea of this, too, will pass. Oh, that's a huge thing I've learned this year. Not just that it will pass, but it hasn't happened yet. So stay in the present, because that hasn't happened yet. Michael J. Fox said, to quote Michael J. Fox, if it's going to happen, fine, you'll live through it then, but why live through it twice? Right? And so it's been, I don't sweat things anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, life is great, and that doesn't mean life is easy. Right. But life is great. Life is great because it. it's not easy. I think so, yeah. Maybe not. I could experience a little more ease, but, but it's great because, because it's not overwhelming. You just deal. and. Boy, people have horrible things happen. I, I, right, they do have horrible things happen. And here's the thing, that, that uh, Mike, Michael Bernard Beckwith of, of the Agape Spiritual Center, who I, I quote him a lot, he, he had this thing where he said, we know everything, it's just released on a need-to-know basis. The answers are released on a need-to-know basis. And then I, extrapolating from that, it's true, because you never <clears throat> get into a situation where you go, and that happened, and then I didn't know what to do, and then I disappeared. <laughs> you wish it would happen sometimes. I didn't know what to do, oh. and then I disappeared. That never happens. No. We always know what to do when we do it. Uh, sometimes, sometimes, or you do it wrong and you learn for the next time. That's why you didn't do it then, because you needed to learn yeah. that then. And you have to. F- Forgive yourself and accept yourself and move. The, the, everyone says this is nothing new, but as you get older, you're given certain gifts. And one gift is just the gift of, okay, you know, I like myself. I'm who I am. Right. The, the world doesn't have to like me. And that's okay. It's okay. The people that like me like me. The people that don't, Godspeed. You know? I totally agree with you. I'm not everyone's piece of cake. No, no. You know? And I look at some people who are universally pieces of cake. Right. No one doesn't like Renee Albert. Right. No one doesn't I like had, her. It's so funny that you bring up Renee Albert. Because first, I've been trying to get her on this podcast. I've been telling her that. Yeah. So um, uh, we were at, it was Nia's birthday. So it was Nia and Ian and all of our friends that were, maybe you were there. It was at a restaurant. I don't know. I don't know. A bunch of people sitting at a table. And we were saying, we were saying, uh, like, there are people that, People are saying, oh, you know what? There are a lot of people here that don't, there are a lot of people on this earth that don't like me. There's a lot of people, whatever it is. And I thought, you know what? I don't think anybody doesn't like me. 
And then driving home, I realized I was the only person at that table who's divorced. <laughs> There are plenty of people who don't like me. It doesn't matter, though. And it doesn't matter, but that's what you learn. Matter. That's what you learn. Because you're not sticking... As long as you're not doing... You're murdering. As long as you're... And you just are who you are, and everyone's just trying to get through life. Everybody's just trying to get through life. I, right. I don't... I'm sure I judge. I'm sure I... But I don't judge as harshly. I don't judge people as harshly. Everyone's just trying to make it through life. It's, That's all. It's, it's so... It is really... This is another thing that I realized like, uh, this year, too. And it goes with that wonderfully. And that is this. We don't live to be products. We live to live in process. And everything that we do is, a proce is process. Yes. Every scene that you see is watching somebody be in process. And, and, and when you realize that we're in process, then you start looking at it in a different way, knowing that your product is your process. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, I do. So the idea that when people say, okay, so when I say the word process, I think a lot of people feel that it's incomplete because it's on its way to something. But well, it's, it's not. It's just frozen. You have a cross section of time you're looking at. At that moment, you have. So when we are all in process, you say, you know, we're all just trying to get through life or whatever that is. It's like, yeah. And another way to put that is, we're all living life. We're all in process towards whatever it's going to be. And at some point, we're going to know an answer. And at some point, we're going to want the answer. And at some point, we're going to want the answer and realize later that it's not important for us to know what the answer is. And we're going to discover the answer and realize you asked the wrong question. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. all that stuff. And to say, when I have, and I think this is what, you're what people are looking for, like, what's the meaning of life? When you have that answer, you're going to realize that's not the answer. And I don't need to know the fucking answer. It just is. We are alive. We're getting through life. And, you know, when you're younger, you judge, oh, they're wearing that, they drive that, they do. It's because that's what's making them get through life. Exactly. And that's, you know, it, it's just simple. It's just simple like that. And, right. And that's it. Like, and, and it just makes life a lot easier. And it makes daring yourself to do things easier, I think. Yes. Because Which is ironic because in this field, it slows down when you get older. Sure. But, but you're more daring. And this word has less, this word that I'm about to say, has less impact than it, than it does. This word has less impact as you're older than, when you're older than it is when you're younger. That word is the word no. No. Uh, do you want me to work for you? No. <laughs> you want me to work for you? No. All right. I'm going to move on. Well, the other way, do you want to work for me? No. Right. And being able, I don't actually, turning down work is something I, like, I, it's hard to, I, I rarely turn down work. Mm -hmm. But but saying no is, is is a gift you can give yourself. Well, it guides you to something else. Yeah. For me to break up with this woman, I was like, no, I can't do this anymore. I can't. We're both fighting each other. Let's know the fuck out of this thing. <laughs> Let's know it. Let's stop it. So you yes and your no? You both I yes, yes and, and my no. Yes. And now my yes and to, my, to that no, that's my yes and to my no, this person obviously didn't want that at that time, the no, but it's like, I can't do this anymore. I have to stop, I have to stop, I have to get myself out of not liking myself. My best friend says it's called dating for a reason. Right. That's what I like. What do you think that means? I think it means you're trying people out and, and when it's over, you move on. Right. Because you're not, because when you're, it's renting versus owning. When I got married, I realized, Jesus, we can't. When you're renting an apartment, you can put a hole through the wall. When you're dating someone, these things can happen. When you're married, you really want to, you really want to work to fix it. When you're dating and it doesn't work, if it really doesn't work, it's okay to move on. Right. It's okay to say goodbye. Right. You don't, you don't, have, that, you don't have that requirement to stay with the other person. <sighs> no. I and, was married for 14 years. 
you know, and to go, well, you know. Sometimes things just end. That's the way, right. And, and sometimes things go on. Yeah. And, and living you decide, in a, like, is it worth the effort required? What are the reasons? It is, like, in any field, in, in, staying in Los Angeles, in right. any situation where you are committed to something. Right. Are my staying because it's comfortable, and I'm, or am I staying because this is the place to be? Am I staying because the act of changing is terrifying? If that's the reason, do it. Right. Right. Rick Thomas from Second City said, follow him. the fear. And yeah. like, you know, different teachers, I say to students of mine, you may not agree with me, but don't waste time arguing with me because this is my point of view. Instead, try my way and then discard it later. Absolutely. Feel free to ignore everything I've said but experience it because maybe one or two things will stick with you. Right. And with Brick Thomas, it was follow the fear. Make the choice that's frightening because it's inevitably the most interesting. I liked him a lot. Yeah. I really liked him. Daring and man. Really. Um, he had this thing called the Rick Show. Do you remember the that's Rick Show? That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. 45 minutes of <clears throat> no planning. No planning, just at an ETC, 150, 200-seat house, and it was just the Rick Show. Sheer nerve. Oh, my God. Well, he, I, I've told this story before. Uh, Colbert and Danello came off the road. They were a touring company, and they, they sat in the Rick Show, and they did a scene with Rick in the Rick Show, and Rick got up. So it was also, it was a class and a show. That's, it, was it was a, a weird thing. So he got off stage. They got off stage. And I, I might have been there, or I might have heard the story. He got, they got off stage, and Rick went, okay, you made people laugh. That's great. But it was nothing more than monkey danger. That's where monkey danger came That's from. That's where monkey danger came from. He said it was nothing more than monkey danger. And everybody laughed like crazy Rick, because Rick was crazy. He was, he was certifiable. <laughs> like, he was medicated. It was crazy Rick. And then later on, I was watching a scene, and the audience is laughing, and there's nothing going on other than that. And I was like, this is monkey danger. Well, it you, means nothing. You made me think of something. Um, when I first moved out here, I would improvise, and I was glib and funny and getting a lot of laughs, and I'd come off stage feeling, you know, like a whore. <laughs> because there was no, I, there was no, there was no connection. There was no improvising. It was just being funny. Right. And, and so I think it was Pete Gardner, Pete Zeradnik, who said to me, make the first line about the other person. Right. And it, like, you, you experience these moments in improv that are revelations, and that was another revelatory moment. And it became, it, it went from being monkey danger to being a challenge, something else. Right. Just being funny, especially at that point, if you've been improvising long enough, yeah, we all know we can do that, but, but, but let's explore the art form a little more. Can, can right. you find the humor in absolutely taking in the other person? Right. That, you, that's a whole new thing. Right. It is a whole new thing. Yeah. Because everything you need is in your partner's eyes. They're in your partner's face. Everything that you need in that moment. And, and again, it has nothing to do with your business card. Yeah. So what, what Pete Gardner said, I mean, I love Pete. I love playing with, being, with Pete because he does give you that gift. He is yeah. one of the Santas of Nowtown. So he's just <laughs> giving you that gift in that moment all the time. Yeah. And so at the beginning of a scene, if you go, and I've used this in a lot of scenes, if I, if I go, Jerry, you're late. At that moment, I've given you everything. Yep. It's not, the, it's not, <laughs> it's not the first episode of a shitty sitcom, which is, um, 
Carla, I'm so glad that you're here. I know that you're an astronaut and that you just bought this hotel in order to make sure that your child, who is a Kurdish refugee, gets education. And let's hope that your husband, Homer, what are you doing here? You know, like, you, like it's that. It's like a winch on a truck. You've attached them to somebody else, and now you're together. Well, that's what's happening. And you're being pulled yeah. as opposed to going, no, we're nowhere, and that's OK. We're going to discover where the fuck we are when we when we need that's to. That's the greatest, that's what, that's what, when I get classes and they get confused because they'll say like, what about who, what, and where? And students say it with like this, you know, we've been told, and, and I'm not denying who, what, and where, but all in good time. Exactly. All in I good feel, time. These days, I feel like, you want to ask a question? Ask a question. If you're asked a question in an improv scene, so, so this is what I'm saying, lately. So if, if somebody says to you in a scene, this is, you know, teaching this, um, uh, someone asked a question and someone went, I, I said, what's going on in that scene? It's like, who asked a question? It's like, all right, let's talk about that. <laughs> right, you can't ask a question. Okay, so the worst improv question is probably, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's the worst, that's empty. But what if we say it like this? What are you doing? What are you doing? And you react doing? to the emotion it brings out exactly. you, as opposed to, I said to someone, I said, students, you're not reenacting um, a transaction. Right. Conversation isn't neat. Sometimes people aren't answering what you're saying. They're answering th what, you're, what you're communicating. Exactly. So what we're doing is we're teaching the person not to ask the question. What we have to do is teach their partner not to answer the question. Yes. The first thing I did in college before I had ever really taken improv, we had these scripts our acting teacher gave us. And we performed in a coffee house, but but unimportant. But the scripts were just words. And then he would give us different emotions, different feelings, different situations. Same script, and it goes all the way back to that. The words are not as important as the filling. It's like the crust, and it's the filling that drives the scene. I think I'm going to work on that today in my drop-in class because we I do a I do a, I do a uh, when I'm doing um, uh, w when I'm teaching viewpoints, which is a viewpoints capital V. It's mm -hmm. a you know what viewpoints are? You've told me about it, yeah. Okay, yeah. So when I'm teaching viewpoints and I'm teaching movement, I'll have them exchange these five words, uh, these five lines of dialogue with no emotion attached to them at all, just movement. Hello. Hi. How are you? Fine, thanks. Glad to hear it. And those are the five lines that you get, and that's all. And it's like you move, you say the line. Someone moves where they're compelled to move and says the next line. I want to take this and class. And what you've got in that is it blows people away. I want to come do that. Oh, my God. It's just so fun. It blows people away because they go, there was so much going on there. It's like, okay, great. Now let's talk about this. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Were they inside or outside? Uh, they were inside. Were they inside a, a house or were they inside an, a, a, a business? It was a house. Were they in the front room, the living room, or the dining room? Okay, good. And then, and then you, it's what people start. Public versus private. What's that? It's public versus private. You can tell. Right. And there's also, like, look at all you got from nothing. But from everything. Right. Everything <laughs> is always there. I said to students, the moment you come on stage, the audience can see the dynamic between you. Absolutely. <clears throat> and that, you have to know what it is because and they know. So if you, if you look angry and the other person's angry and then you smile and go, hey, how are you? You ended the first scene and you started a new scene. Yeah. You and I think very similar. I like that because it's really, uh, it, 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 I, I think that people need to be 
comfortable in their skin when they do that. To, because if you go, okay, the moment that you come on stage, the audience is aware. How did you say it? The audience sees what's happening. Okay, great. So the moment that you come in the scene, the audience sees what's happening. There's a lot of people going, oh my God, I can't take that pressure. As opposed to, fuck the audience. Yeah. Your partner's there, and everything you need is motherfucking right there. Yeah, and you just need to know where you are in your own body. Exactly. Emotionally. I hate the world. I, I hate the world. I just, I just robbed a bank. My wife just broke up with me. Whatever you need. I, I've given students like a bag of stuff like, I don't even know if this is right. You think in the moment <laughs> teaching, like, I finally understand teaching. The next day you're like, I have so much hubris. But I don't want to try one thing where you have words and sounds and, and a limp or whatever. And whatever you can give students to get their imagination going. Right. Who, you know, like I said, like, sometimes I think I'm a good teacher. Sometimes I think, like, oh, they. Right. But that I found, like, if a student can find whatever brings them into a scene, a full balloon of emotion. So they're not imagining their reaction. They are reacting. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 But there's nothing more humbling than teaching. Well, there's a lot of things that are humbling. Oh, I'll Parenting tell you. Humbling, but teaching is humbling. When, when I was in the middle of this relationship, you know, around the, the end of this relationship, the middle of this relationship, and I was in Salt Lake City, and there's a really upset woman living in Los Angeles, and we're having this, and uh, I'm going through strum and drang with all this, and I'm teaching. And we've only been going out for four or five months, whatever the fuck it's going to uh. be. And it's like, ugh. So I'm <laughs> over there, and I'm looking at these students, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I, dude, there's no place I'd rather be than right here where I need them. Mm-hmm. I need them. And what, how do I need them? I need them to keep me focused on them, that moment, oh, not sure. my moment, their moment. Oh, sure. And at the end of that, I told them what I was going through, and I was weeping. I was weeping, saying, uh, you think you need me. I need you more than you need oh, me. Wow. Because you, and, and I think of all the things that we've been teaching long, a long time. Yeah. I, I asked my wife for a divorce on Sunday. Monday, I had to come in and teach class. I put my dog down on Tuesday. Oh. Wednesday, I had to come and teach class. You know what I mean? I broke up with a woman on Thursday. Friday, I had to teach class. Oh, so, like, but here's the thing. It's restorative. It's so restorative. Yeah. And it's a reminder that we're all in this together. And it's, this is sound weird, this is gonna sound, but it's looking at your partner and getting the energy from your partner. And Absolutely. in this case, your partner is the whole class. Exactly. And for, when a teacher comes up and, and says, I could not do this without you, and that's what I, because my drop-in class is like, it's exactly like, so today I'm going, what am I gonna teach today? What am I gonna teach? Um, oh, you know what? I saw this thing yesterday where a guy walked up to this person and they did that. I'm going to investigate that. And these 16 people come to my drop-in class and they go, what do you got for us today? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, sort of, it's sort of scary at the same time as it's wonderful. And as you keep going on, you lose the scary. So at the end of our third uh, warm-up where we're doing eights, counting down from eight, at like four, three, two, one, four, three, two, one, four, three, two, one, we're doing that. I'm thinking, what am I going to teach right now? Uh-huh. I'm almost at zero. <laughs> and what am I going to teach? And then we sit. Mm-hmm. And you're in the... To, I'm learning this. I'm learning this so much more to listen to my students and to realize if they don't get it, I have not communicated it in a way that's in their bones. Right. Not in their mind, in their bones. Right. If I can't get it in their bones, it's my problem, not theirs. Right. And so you have to be so focused in the present. That I think that's what helps you. It's helped me that you have to be right there with them. And I don't know. Some people don't feel it as much, but they've paid money. 
and they want to learn and they've come either they're actors or they're doctors or I've had a couple rocket scientists you have a responsibility to to be present and to inspire if you can it also reminds me to be Yes, it reminds me to be present. Reminds yeah. me to be present. You can't. And I'm blow teaching it off. present. N no, and that's the whole thing. Is if I'm going to go through my brain, my the story that just the history of what just happened to me a moment ago, or a moment right before coming to class that oh I, I asked my wife for a divorce. Ugh. Every time I'm sitting there watching you thinking about that, I'm not with you, yeah, and exactly. you need me to be exactly. there. Exactly. Exactly. And then you're right there with them. Right. And also, they don't need you to go, good job, good job. Mm -hmm. I'm not a mean teacher. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe in, here's what you did. Now let's, let's, let's tweak it. Let's push it. Let's push you. It's not about, and students seem to want you to say that was a mistake. On some level, they want that, and I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say, good job, good job, because that's patronizing. Well, but here's but the I'm going to say, let's, here's what you did. Let's, let's, let's give you this fire. Go this way. There's that. There's this, too. Because there are no mistakes, as we know in improv, there are no mistakes. When a student does something not in the way that I wanted them to do, <laughs> at that moment, they have shown us why this works. Do you understand? Sure. The gift that they gave us by doing that one thing, it's never a mistake. I'm like, thank you so much well, for showing thing. us this other way of doing that. Well, that's why you tell students, pay attention. Like, pay attention to everybody that goes up there. Right. Pay attention to everything. It was like going to the ETC before you got hired. I think I saw one show 47 times, Mirrors on the Border, some show. Uh -huh, right. And or, I remember watching Joe Liss over and over and over and over again and watching him on great nights and watching him on nights when the show wasn't as good. And, and that's how you learn. I love that you brought up Joe Liss because that's exactly what I did too. I would watch Joe Liss. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I would watch Joe Liss and I would go, and then in my mind, this is what I would say and when I was improvising. What would Joe do? WWJD. Yeah. What would Joe do? Joe never ever bailed on the scene nope never and when i i felt blessed in when i did a show with joe we did uh that our town show i, I was understudy of that show. right 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 we did that show and joe was one of the fucking best people ever oh. because i get to play with him and now he's a contemporary he's a friend of mine totally present completely present all in the time every moment all the time all the time such a gifted improviser a fine human yes a really eh, fine not so good. No, I'm kidding. Right. Really <laughs> no, fine. No, but I mean, so when students aren't watching other students, like you said, I think you put it better than I did, the watching when things go a certain way, this is that moment. See? Right. See? Right. This is why scenes flatline. Right. This is why they don't, because you're, you're not accepting, you're not present. And this is what we can do and feel this magic. And then when it changes and you can see the student go like, ooh, you know? Yep. Yep, that kinesthetic response of something happened. But do you applaud before scenes? What's that? The new thing now is to applaud for people before the scene. I don't, I don't do that. We don't applaud ever. Yeah, I don't like this applaud before the scene. I don't like the applaud after the scene. I don't, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's I'm not just, into applause at all. There's no applause in my class. The applaud before the scene is like, it's a market-driven economy. Like, if it's going to be applause, if there's going to be applause after, but it's just, I don't know. No, I agree. I'm and there's another thing that I, I'm not buying into the applause. I'm also not buying into this. If you sneeze, I have no obligation to say bless you. Oh, I don't know. 
See, that's, as a Jew, that's very hard. It's, I'm not going to say bless you. It <laughs> fucking doesn't mean anything. Do I, do I say something no, after I you burn? No, I know the scene that takes place. All right. You get in a street fight with somebody. <laughs> I had a girlfriend who said, how come you never say bless you after I sneeze? I'm like, because I just don't do that. Like, who doesn't do that? I don't do that. I don't. You sneeze. And this is what I want to say. It's as useful as this in class. And this is what I have to make my class say. So, because if, if we're in a scene and somebody sneezes, inevitably someone says thank you. And I'm like, I'm trying to teach a fucking class here. And you just interrupted me. Now, sneezing, you can't hold back. But bless you, you can hold back. So this is what I'm going to say every time you sneeze. Anybody in my class, if someone sneezes, I go, stop it. <laughs> I think you should say donut. There's as much you, meaning as exactly, much. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I might as well say stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Like, chew. Stop it. <laughs> it's so awesome because people start picking up on that and people sneeze oh. and people go, stop it. See, I just like when you're talking about people with small, the, the people that, a lot of people on YouTube and the, the small population. Yes. You're the people that don't say bless you. I am. I am clearly the Go person. Go to YouTube. <laughs> there's, there's, a, there's a group waiting for you, Dave. Okay, let's stop there. That was a nice full circle. Thank you so much. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you for listening to ADD Comedy. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on Dave, you can go to his website at www.davidrosowski.com or follow Dave on Twitter at drosowski.